Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Confession time. I'm really, really nervous. Um, you know, uh, oh, you're very obedient. You're very obedient. I think... Um, I'm pretty sure Tony mentioned last week, I know he did in our staff meeting, I don't know if he mentioned publicly, he just commended Chris uh, last week sharing in the middle of a series, just saying how um, he stepped into a series, it's a, uh, a new thing for him, it's stretching and I just want to encourage you, if you're here tonight and you're feeling the stretch of God, you're feeling like God is asking something of you that is... Um, beyond your capacity, then you're in good company. And uh, Tony was commending Chris and uh, saying how last week he just stepped into that gap of walking in a series. It's new for him and he did a brilliant job. And before we left tonight, he said to me, babes, when you preach, he said, I want you to get away from your notes. And if you know me, I'm a list girl. I go to the shops with a list. I don't go anywhere without a list. There's a, my kids know there's a list on our kitchen bench right now for if you need something, uh, shopping, something done. Don't tell me, write it down. Because if you don't write it down, I won't remember. So I'm a list girl. So for my husband to say to me, I want you to get away from your notes, I'm packing my pants. Seriously. <laughs> Because then, then, because what well, you got to understand, I've done, I have my notes here. They're like verbatim. Now, I don't stand there because it's in my heart. So I do do that, but I always refer to it. So he looks at my notes, it's verbatim. And then he gets up here after the worship. He tells you all what I'm going to talk about. He's totally ruined my introduction. I'm like, I'm going, now where do I go? How do I start this thing? I had it so worked in my head. This is how we're going to flow. This is how we're going to get into it. I was like, ah. And so, you know, like I said, I'm packing my pants. So if you're being stretched, can I encourage you, you're in good company, because we all are. It's not about just, it's you doing it and everyone's always on to me. God's on to all of us, because God wants us all to move from one place to another. There's my new intro. So we're talking about journey tonight, all right? Now... Two weeks ago, I had the privilege of um, going to a conference. There was uh, 10 of us plus myself from this church and 9,989 other women from around the globe converged on Sydney for Colour Conference. And uh, we had a great time as a group of girls together and hearing some great messages. And one of the speakers who was sharing, her name was uh, Sheila Walsh. And uh, she, uh, one of the highlights for me, I was just listening to her message and she started to tell this story about her son. She said one day she was in the kitchen and her son came down, he had his backpack and he was packing some of his favourite toys in there and he went to the cupboard and he got a blanket and he stuffed this blanket uh, in his backpack and then he went to the fridge and he grabbed some food out of the fridge and she's just watching him like, what's going on? And he's packing stuff in there and then he went to the cupboard and got some stuff and eventually she says to him, what are you doing? And he says, Mum, I'm running away. And she's like, okay. And because she's Scottish, so like, she's hilarious. She's like, oh, jolly go, go, no props. So anyway, he packs his bag, he puts his bag on. And okay, so don't pick on my accent, all right? <laughs> I'll get you removed if you're not careful. And um, puts on his backpack and out he goes. Now she's saying to us, they, she lives on a lake. So the, the, her kitchen overlooks a lake and she watches as a uh, boy walks off and he finds a nice tree and he parks himself under a tree, 
puts his backpack down, puts his blanket out, sits down, sits, so we got his book, his toys, whatever. So he, she just could keep an eye on him, could see him over there. And so the day goes on. And towards the end of the day, he packs his stuff up and he comes home. So as he walks in the door, she says to him, so how was your journey? And this is what the little boy says. He dumps his backpack down. He says, you know what? I think I would have enjoyed it more if my bag wasn't so heavy. And you know what? I turned off after that because I just felt God speak to me about, I wonder how many of us are going to get to the end of our journey and stand before our Father in heaven. And he said, how did you do in life? And we go, you know what? I think I would have enjoyed it more if my bag wasn't so heavy. And so, I'm just looking at that So if I move over here, I'll get rid of temptation. What was I saying? <laughs> so yeah, if, if, how many of us are going to get and stand before the Father and just go, you know what, if my bag wasn't so heavy, I would have enjoyed the journey. And I love it last week when Chris said, you know, some... Christians have bought into the lie that was sold to them that Jesus is the fairy godfather who just when you come into relationship with him, all your troubles go away. And that that's just not the case. Jesus is our Saviour. He's our Lord. He is who we're going to spend eternity with. But there's no magic formula or wand that he waves over our lives and stops us experiencing the things that happen in life. They just happen and I can't understand why and I can't even explain why. So I'm not an advocate of, you know what, I'll enjoy my journey if only good things happen. It's just not the way it is. Because even in God's Word, He says that it's my yoke is easy, my burden is light, which means that there is a yoke and there is a burden. It's just that when it's His yoke and burden, it's light. So when Chris was talking about pick up your cross, it's not a fact of we don't have a cross we have to pick up. It's just pick up your cross. So there's a work to be done. There's things that happen. So the life and our journey of life does have some work attached to it. But I believe that we can have a response that even while we're working and we're journeying this life, our response can be that in the midst of the most dismal of circumstances, we can have joy. In the midst of uncertainty and I don't know what's happening on, I can have confidence. In the midst of um, the most agonising pain, I can have reassurance. In the midst of great success, I can have a humility because it's not the absence of those things that makes my journey great that when I get to heaven, I say, I feel I succeeded. It's my response in those areas that I can get to heaven and say, you know what, I've enjoyed my journey. And uh, by dictionary definition, a journey simply is moving from one stage to another. It's just travelling along the way. It's as simple as a trip. Now in my... um, Uh, I was going to say professional life, in just the fact I've had plenty of opportunities just to have leisurely trips, to go away on holidays with families and with uh, work and with ministry. We've had plenty of opportunities to go on trips. Some of them have been non-eventful. Just, you know what, you get to the airport or you get to the train, you get to uh, the bus, however your mode of transport, you get on, you get to your destination, you get off and away you go. But there have been some of the many trips that we've done that have not been so um, uneventful. And one of them I remember was, and I don't remember the year, but I don't know if who's here who remembers when we did our dads and lads trip to Madagascar. So we had an opportunity, we've got friends in Cape Town who have a church and Pete Howard Brown, they've been working uh, with churches in Madagascar. And we had this great idea, we're going to do a dads and lads trip. 
So we had, I think, nine dads with their boys from here and Pete's church had nine dads with their boys from Cape Town and we were going to go together as uh, two churches and just have a great time in ministry. And then Pete had asked, hey, would Tony and I come? Would Tony minister in the church beforehand and then go together? And then I had the opportunity where a church in Johannesburg had asked, would I come and speak to their women's conference? So we coordinated, did all the work, got it that um, we would fly into Cape Town. We would have the weekend with um, Pete Howe Brownie's church do that. And we took uh, our whole family and, and Fee Hodgson came with us. And so we had the weekend there and then what happened on the Monday is we were all flying from Cape Town to Johannesburg and then the girls were staying in Johannesburg and we were going to the conference at which I was speaking at and the boys were meeting the other guys from our church here who had flown in, were meeting in Johannesburg and then they were getting a connecting flight to Madagascar. Sounds like a simple plan, right? Simple plan. What can go wrong? Well, what can go wrong is that they didn't let me be in control. <laughs> no, <laughs> side note. So what happens, it's Monday morning and we have a early morning flight. So we've got an early morning flight with enough connection for um, the girls are getting picked up at the airport. We've already texted the girl to say, here's our flight details, this is what's happening. And then the boys are landing and then they're going on to Madagascar. So we get to the airport. Oh, no, no, backtrack. We don't even get to the airport. We are getting ready to leave. Now, here's the first problem, is our friend Pete is on a different flight to us. Now, they had arranged for us to be picked up. So our driver comes to pick us all up. Now, I am one of those people, I'm a list girl, I'm, I am one of those people you very rarely will hear my name being called over the PA for being at the gate, because I'm there two hours early. All right, you just because you just don't want to miss your flight. So I'm there two hours early. It's it's a different story. I've often heard, would Mr. Tony Rainbow please make his way to gate 20? So that's kind of an insight into the battle we often have. But so um, our driver comes to pick us up, and I'm getting a little bit agitated because I'm looking at the time. I know what time check-in closes. I know that um, approximately how long, because I'd already checked with the guys, how long does it take to get to the airport? Blah, blah. So I'm starting to get a bit agitated because I'm thinking we're starting to cut this fine. Our driver is starting to get a little bit agitated because he realised, but our host, Pete, is like, fine, not a problem, no worries. So finally, when he says, okay, let's get in the car, we're like, okay, everyone's in the car. We still have to go and pick up Fiona. To give you a little hint, Fiona's host had already said to her, look, forget him, we're going to just drive you anyway. So this is telling you how fine we are cutting it. So we're in the car, so I'm starting to relax, thinking, okay, I'm in the car. These are guys, they know what they're doing. And then Pete decides, oh, no, I've got to go back in the house and get something else. So I'm like, okay, Grace, don't kill him yet, don't kill him yet. So I know we're starting to get into trouble as we're driving and the driver is like, foot to, I mean, this is South Africa, they don't have road rules, they don't have speed limits, they can drive. But I thought, this is a little bit fast and a little bit erratic. I mean, we're just going for it. So I'm, real, I'm watching the time thinking, we're cutting it, we are really cutting it fine. So we pull up to the airport, get there and we're like, get out of the car, kids, grab this, run. Like I am running for the checking counter because I just figure if I can get there first, I've got the part. If I just start it, we'll be fine. But they direct us to the wrong place. See, again, I'm trusting my friend Pete. He's on a different airline, even a different flight. So he says over this way and I'm like, but it's SAA. No, 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 it's over here, British Airways. I'm like, it's SAA. No, 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 Kath, it's British Airways. We get there and I'm like, it's SAA. So anyway... We get to the counter, we get up to the counter. As I stand there, they call, 
last call for our flight. So I run to the, because there's always a counter. Here's a little travel tip for you. If you leave it to the last minute, some people deliberately leave it to the last minute because you jump the queue, you just go to the emergency counter to get in. So I just go straight to the emergency counter. And I think this is what happened. Because remember, there's five of us. I think the guy behind the counter took one look over my shoulder, saw five people and three trolley loads of luggage, and he just went, counter's closed. And I just went, no, it's not. <laughs> like, it is not. And he just went, ma'am. And like, that's the first mistake. Don't ever ma'am me, all right? <laughs> he said, counter is closed. And then that was that, put the sign on, down, gone. And I stood there and went, well, what in the hell? Like, I've, we've got to get to Johannesburg and these guys have got a connecting flight. Like, we've got to go. So then I run and I find uh, Pete Howard Brown and he's, you know, dun, 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 checking in. And I'm like, Pete, I'm flying. He's going, how can it be closed? And then it dawns on him. Ah, like you're in a different time than me. He's like, ah. <laughs> So... It began then a several hour journey of us having to go around to the um, standby counter and then the process of every, there were probably another six flights coming up that we could potentially make to get our connection that you had to go half an hour before each one of those flights. You stood in line and you waited and they let you know by order of priority how they could do that. They'd asked us, would we be prepared to separate? We said, listen, we just need the boys. I I had a day or two up our sleeve, so we didn't have to necessarily be in Joburg that day. We were just doing it for convenience. So we were like, just get the two boys on the flight. And so I think it was about the third or fourth opportunity. So by this time... We haven't even made it. Pete's like, see ya, because he's flight, they're calling his flight. He's already going. And what he'd done is he'd rung for us, one of the um, elders, the guy who dropped us off, he'd turned around, he'd parked, he came in and then helped us through this process. And I think it was about four hours or something in the airport. At the last minute, the boys got the flight that they needed to get the connection to get on. So you stand at the standby counter, they wait until the very last minute and then they say, there are now two seats available and they look at you and they say, run. And so then Mitchie and Tony have to run. So they just, because you, 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 if you think about Adelaide Airport, you're at where the Qantas counters are. You still got to go through security and get to the gate, but they don't let you go until they know there are two. So that, that plane is full, that plane is at the gate, it's ready to shut the forward cargo door and they say, you can go and away you go. And the last memory I have is Mitchell as they cut through the queues of everyone trying to go through the... Um, security, his bag's on there because they've got handheld bags, they throw the bags on. Tony's off and running and he's going, Mitch, Mitch is like, my bag's in there. And he's like, grab it. And I see my son on the conveyor. I mean, only in Africa. It's like, you did that here, they would have whipped you off. He's on the conveyor, but he's got his arm in the x-ray machine. He is grabbing his bag and he runs. They've got security going, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, chasing them, and they're off. They're just heading to gate 32 because they're waiting. I've got the woman at the counter on the phone to the lady saying, they're coming. She's like, they're coming, they're coming. I'm saying, don't let that plane go. Don't let that plane go. And she's going, they're coming, they're coming. Wait, wait, wait. And then they make it to the counter, and they make it to the gate, and they get on. And then uh, we were able to change our flight to another day. I tell you that story to say, you know what? Life can be like that sometimes. Life, you know, we just think journey, it's just the way it's going to go. There's, but you know what? Sometimes life throws things at it. I didn't plan that. 
I had it all planned out. We had it to the T. I knew if we made that connection, we could do this. We were going to have a leisurely day. We probably would have gone to a South African day spa when we arrived in Johannesburg while the boys all met up with all the other Aussies and off they went. I mean, it wasn't what I planned. But it just it was what was thrown at me at the last minute and just is one of those things that you can't do anything about. But what I could do something about was my response to the situation I found myself in. And so tonight I want to talk, as has already been uh, shared with you, about how we can enjoy the journey. I'm not saying that I enjoyed that whole process. Okay, I wasn't like, woohoo, let's find something fun to do today. Let's miss a flight and grow seven grey hairs. No, I'm saying we can keep an attitude that helps us so that whatever life brings our way, like I said, we can have the peace that's necessary. We can have the confidence, the security. We can keep the joy and enjoy the journey. So I'm going to ask if you would please turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and we're going to read verses 1 to 3. All right, are you there? I am because... Chris, I've got it in my iPad. (laughs) Are you still turning your pages there, Chris? Yep, yeah. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. There's just four things tonight quickly that I wanna pull from that story that I think we need to consider when we're talking about our journey. If you find your journey is not as joyful as it should be, if you find that the journey is more on top of you than you on top of your journey, then I trust that these four keys that I share with you tonight will help you so that you can adjust that. And like I said, no matter what life throws at you, you can actually have joy in the journey and you can get to the end of your journey and stand before you God and say, you know what, it wasn't perfect, but you know what, my bad, wasn't as heavy as it could have been. Amen. So the first thing that I get out of this is the witnesses. It says in verse 1, that therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. You know, what? I have a little mantra, which I say all the time, and it's just that life is a journey and one that should not be done alone. And it's not just a mantra, it's actually a heartbeat of mine. I really, really believe that. Through my um, role here in doing pastoral care, it's one of the main things we're continually pushing in, in, in our pastoral care. It's about, you know what, you don't have to do life alone. And if you're talking about, you know what, I'm not enjoying my journey, you just got to consider the witnesses. Who are the witnesses? It's those who have gone before you. You know, often... People refer to that and they talk about this and I don't want to get into a debate, but people talk about this, you know, the witnesses are up in heaven, they're looking over the balustrade, I mean, the bal- has heaven got a balustrade? I don't know. But they talk about the people looking over the balustrade of heaven and, and looking at you. Can I set you free tonight? I, when I read that, I don't think of their witnesses of me. I look at it as their witnesses to me. And you might say, that's semantic. No, a witness of me is just someone who's sitting there watching how I'm going. A witness to me is someone who's already been there and saying, I've done it, you can do it too. 
Because what you have to understand, that's Hebrews 12, talking about the great cloud of witnesses. In Hebrews 11, it's what we would know as the heroes of the faith. It talks about Abraham in faith did this. It talks about Moses in faith did this. It talks about Enoch in faith did this. David, it talks about um, all the great guys and girls of the Bible, Rahab, all these guys in faith. And it says, in faith they did this, and in faith they did that, and in faith they did this. There is a plethora of witnesses who have gone before us and said, you know what? I've done it. You can do it. So if you feel like life is getting on top of you, have a look and consider the witnesses. It's not only those who've gone before you, but here's the great news. It's those who walk beside you. You know what? The thing about our story is when that man just shut that down and said, you know what? No, you're not going there. I was like, I've never been in this situation before. I've never missed a flight. I've never, like never. So the first thing I did was I grabbed, I just rang Pete. I ran through that airport. I knew he was at British Airways because that's where he tried to take me. So I knew where he was. I went straight there. He was in the security line going, I'm like, Pete, now. <laughs> and you know what? The thing, the witness, he's like, chill. He took me. He said, this is what you do. It was like, you make a habit of this, Pete, don't you? I can tell. Like, thanks for letting me know. A bit of a heads up next time. But you know what? The witnesses that go before you, I didn't know what to do. The guy at the counter just went, you have to go to standby. I'm like, but what, what does that mean? I've got to get to Madagascar. Well, not me, they do. But what does that mean? So I grabbed Pete. I grabbed the witness who'd been before me. I said, Pete, what do I do? Pete said, Kath, you come here. Took me to the standby. He started talking. He got the process. He got us registered. He said, this is what you do. They explained the process. Like I said, the witness who went before me, he was someone I thought, yep, regular occurrence, mental note, I add two hours anytime I'm travelling with you next time. So it's the witnesses who go before us. And I just want to encourage you tonight. Look around you. Okay, you look into the Word and, um, and the Bible and think of stories. And many of us aren't going to face a literal Goliath, but the story of David and Goliath is about facing a battle. It's about facing a giant. So yes, use the Word. Use the great men and women of God who have uh, lived in latter days to encourage you. But you know what? Look at those who are walking beside you. Who is navigating your season well? Who's doing it well that you can say, you know what? That's a witness beside me. They're not over looking at me. They're not a witness to me. To me. They're not a witness of me. They're a witness to me. If you're talking about how to enjoy the journey, consider the witnesses, the witnesses that God has placed in your world. The second key that I get out of that Scripture is still again in verse 1. It goes on to say, and let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. The second thing you have to consider when we're talking about how do I enjoy this journey, you've got to consider the weight. There were two men riding on a tandem bike going up a steep hill. They were panting and perspiring for, they were all, uh, for all they were worth as they neared the top of the hill. The first man said, that was a tough climb. The second man said, it certainly was. And if I hadn't kept the brakes on, we would have slid down the hill backwards. <laughs> Got it? <laughs> it's all right, it took me a while. No. <laughs> you know what? There are times in our lives we just have to throw off the certain things that hinder our forward motion. My question to you tonight is, what is hindering you? What is the weight that you're carrying that you don't necessarily need to carry? I mean, that little boy packed a picnic bar, blanket. I'm sure he packed some of his cars. He had a toys and a book. I mean, what he's carrying stuff he thought necessary 
for the journey. But you know what? He didn't need it. And God is saying to us, you wanna enjoy the journey, but what kind of weight are you carrying that you don't need? We've already said that the Christian life is about carrying weight, but it's about God's yoke. It's about God's burden. So we're not talking weightlessness, but we're talking about correct weight. But what's the weight you're carrying that has got you so bound up, has got you so uh, all out of, bent out of shape and all in all sorts, because it's not the weight you designed to carry. You know what you need to know is that When we got to the counter for the standby, because the boys were on standby now, all they could take was onboard luggage. You you can't check baggage now because the the plane's gone. And so you are standing at the last minute, which meant we had to stand at the counter and we had to work what do they need and let's put what they need in their onboard. The, The actual airline told us what we could take. And I'm here to tell you tonight, if you are saying, I want to do life and I want to do it well, you've got to, you just can't do whatever it is you want. It wasn't like we could stand there and say, but you don't understand, I'm going to Madagascar and I need this, this, this and this. It's like, you know what, I have to play by their rules now. And you know what, we have a rule maker, not because God's a party pooper and He wants to keep us in a certain way, but because He knows what works for us and will keep life uh, us good in life. And it was the same with the airlines. You know what? How many here travel quite a bit on the aeroplanes? So you know, they have a thing called onboard luggage. And I've noticed too nowadays, because now when you book flights, you can book a flight without luggage and they'll slug you an extra 10 bucks to have luggage. So what I've noticed in the last several years are people have more and more stuff on the aeroplane. So it used to be you could have a handbag. Now they're trying, to, they bring in these bags. But, but let me tell you that airlines aren't silly. So they've put rules in place. There is, on an aeroplane, you can only have a certain size bag. They've got little measurers. If you get to the gate, they'll pop your bag in. If your bag doesn't fit, guess what? It doesn't go on the plane, it has to go underneath. So there are certain size that you can bring on an aeroplane. You know that there's a certain weight. Most aeroplanes are seven kilos. I know that well. I'm very good at packing 6.9, just a little bit of space. Seven kilos is the max you can take. So there's a weight restriction. And if they look at your bag, here's the trick. Walk like this, like it's light as a feather. (laughs) Then when you're lifting it up, it's light. If it looks heavy, they'll weigh it. And if it's over seven kilos, I'll make you stand at the gate and take it out. They'll say, remove that, push that, move that out. So there's weight restrictions. Do you know what? There's even item restrictions. You can't take anything sharp. You can't take scissors. They won't even let you take tweezers. Because you know what? You could probably, I don't know, cut someone's heart out with their tweezers. You can't take hot coffee. If you're at the gate, they will not let you go through with hot coffee. You have to finish your drink. You can't take anything over 100 mils. You can't take hairspray without the lid. See, I'm telling you all the things I've been stung with, all right? (laughs) Deodorant, over 100 mils. If it doesn't have a lid. They are so pedantic with what you can take on board. Here's my challenge. And I actually, let me say this, I'm actually all for that. Because I'm all for safe travel. So I I agree, I I get the fact that I can't take explosives on a plane, kind of handy. I like the idea, I like the fact if I can't, that means the other people on there can't, so we're pretty safe. Because I'm not going to do anything with explosives, but I don't know about the guy next to me. So I'm happy. But here's the thing, we are so pedantic about what we can take on board an aeroplane, and yet we take all sorts of stuff on board here. I can't take 100 meals. 
but I'll carry bitterness, I'll carry anger, I'll carry an offence. And we're not talking a two-hour journey to Sydney, we're talking 30 years somebody has something. And then you say to me, but why am I not enjoying my journey? I'll tell you why you're not enjoying your journey, because you've got a lot of onboard rubbish. (laughs) So we're talking about weight. You just can't do what you want. You can't take what you want. And here's the other thing, because we're talking about how do I decipher what's the right weight? You can't do what you want. You can't take what you want. And here's the thing. It actually is going to cost you. Most of us go, you know what, I don't, if, if I have to deal with this hurt and this bitterness, it's going to cost me something. I, it's, it's either the embarrassment of I have to admit it to somebody. It's the embarrassment of maybe having to go and make restitution. It's just the hard work of maybe taking captive the thoughts or whatever it is in my life that's bringing that on me, whatever it is. So we, a lot of us reason it away if we don't want to pay the cost. I'm here to tell you, you pay a cost anyway. Whether you pay the cost to do the hard yards now, to take captive that thought and and make the adjustment so that you do life better, that I don't harbour offence, that I will go and speak to somebody if I feel I've interpreted things wrongly or whatever it is. If I don't pay now, then I pay in terms of my journey. My two boys made it on... That was a bit condescending to call you my boy. Anyway... The guys made it on that plane, but I need to tell you, it cost us something. As soon as they were through security, as soon as the hostie at the gate said they're on the plane, the little lady in front of me went like this, and I had to hand over my credit card and pay the difference of what our airfare had been originally to what they wanted to charge me. It cost something. And I just want to encourage you, if you're sitting there saying, yeah, but you don't understand, this weight I've become accustomed to or the embarrassment or the fear or whatever it is in your mind that you've built up that I don't want to have to deal with and it's too hard a cost for me to have to do, I'm telling you, you're going to pay either way. And if you want to stand before your Father in heaven and say, I enjoyed my journey, I didn't endure it, doesn't mean it was without issue, it doesn't mean it was all rosy, but I enjoyed it then pay now, because if you don't pay now in that way, you're going to pay in terms of non-enjoyment of your journey. All right. The third thing we're talking about, what to consider in our journey. Again, in in verse uh, 1, we continue on. It says, uh, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The third thing you need to consider when, how do I stay joyful in my journey, is the weariness. You know what? Life isn't a sprint. It's a marathon. And the problem with a marathon is when you run longer, there's more chance and opportunities that things go down that we can get hurt by, we get just worn out by. So life, weariness comes. See, this is what I didn't tell you about our story. You thought it was dramatic enough with what I've shared. Oh no, it gets better. When, When we first missed the plane... I think there was an hour and a half or something to the next flight. So they said to us, you've got an hour, go get some breakfast because you are talking 6am in the morning. So we went and got breakfast and um, had breakfast and then went down to where we had to meet to find out could we get on the next plane. And then all of a sudden, Fee is looking for her purse. And her purse went missing. It was like it was there and then it was gone. 
And what we'd done, see, because the boys had to take their passports and they had to take a thousand US dollars with them so that they could um, pay for their part when they got to Madagascar, right? So I, again, being the administrative list, I had it all perfectly planned. You know, here's the boy, Tony, here's your bit. This is what you take. When we get off in Johannesburg, you're going to take that bag with that. I take this bag and the girls. When Fee lost her purse, just in my natural tendency to get control, I just grabbed everything and threw it in my handbag. I had all the passports, all the money. Everything was in my handbag because we, it's okay, Fiona lost her purse, but we're not losing anything, all right? (laughs) So I had it all. So picture this. Mitchie has grabbed his bag out of the conveyor belt, out of the x-ray. They have run. They are getting to the gate. And I'm like, phew. And I look down and I go, oh, Lord. I have their passports and a thousand US dollars in my handbag. And I just sank to the floor. I was just like, after all that, we've got them there and to fail at the last hurdle. And uh, Pete had got one of his elders, Steph, to, to come along and help us there. And Steph just said, Kath, give it to me. He grabbed the two passports, he grabbed the money and then he ran. And he just, again, did another Mitch, didn't even, they were chasing him, he didn't even bother going through. He's just like gone, trying to get to the gate. He gets to the gate only to see the plane going down the runway. So there are my son and my husband headed to Johannesburg to catch an international departing flight with no money and no ID. (laughs) Like, go figure that one. (laughs) So Steph then is talking to the woman at the gate and saying what's going down. And there is a lady there who is a businesswoman who is on the very next flight. So she interrupts Steph and says, do you know what? I'm going to this next flight to Joburg. I'm landing at 12 o'clock. I'll take your passports, I'll take your money (laughs) and we'll give it to them. And Steph did. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I can tell it wasn't your passport or money. (laughs) And we rang Pete Howard Brown, who had already landed by this stage. What they had done is they'd spoken to Madagascan Airlines, they'd worked it all out, they had issued them with temporary boarding passes, had issued them with temporary stuff and then Pete was waiting at the gate. So I'm unaware that Tony knows that this is even happening. Tony says, as he and Mitch sit down on the plane, he says, "Uh uh-oh, I've forgotten this. And he just says to Mitch, don't worry, Mitch, mum will sort it out. (laughs) I'm like, well, I don't know what you think I'm going to do. The point being, the point being, you know what? We all get tired. We all get weary. And you know what? I don't know whether I would have come up with that conclusion that Steph did, but I'm just glad I didn't have to because we're not here to do life alone. It is not a mantra or a catch cry of mine to just say life's a journey, not one to be doing alone. I believe it absolutely. And you know what? Like I said, we're here. The scripture, I've got a scripture there in Galatians 6.2. It says, we're to bear one another's burdens. I probably could have come up with something similar to that. I could have made it work. But I'm so thankful and grateful that I wasn't there by myself, that Steph was there with me, that when I was tired and just sank to the floor and thought, I've been doing this for six hours now, thought we'd got it all under control. Here's the latest curveball that's to hit me. I didn't have to do it on my own. And I don't know what's been thrown at your life. I don't know what step after another. I don't know if you're at that point when you go, really, is there anything else, God, 
Because there's been plenty of times I've had those comments, like, really? Could you, really? Like, come on, go, go check them out down there. Like, really? And you know what? Sometimes it's just that weariness, bear one another. It just took a friend to come alongside and say, you know what? You're not doing this alone. If your life, if you are not enjoying your journey, I have to ask you, are you doing it the right way? Have, you know what? We push connect groups. We push Sunday morning, Sunday night. We push discipleship. Not just let's sit next to church, but how are you really doing? We push those things, not because we want to make your life miserable, but because I understand what life is like without having that. So it's not about we look better if you're in a connect group or our life's easier if you come to church on Sunday. It's like your life is easier. Don't you get it? I need you. And here's the scary thing, you need me. We need each other. Life is a journey not to be done alone. The last thing, just quickly as I close, just looking at the time. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. If you're not enjoying your journey, consider the witnesses, consider the weight, consider the weariness, but most importantly, consider the winner. Consider Jesus, who in verse 3, it says, He who endured such opposition from sinful men. In verse 2, He who sat down at the right hand of God. He who has been tested in every way, just like you and just like me, and yet was without sin in Hebrews 4.15. Consider Him who holds the keys to death and hell in Revelations 1.18. Consider Him who said, It's finished. In John 19.30, consider Him who said, uh, who calls us friends in John 15.15 15, and consider Him who says, we can do all things through Him who gives us strength. I wanna encourage you tonight, don't just consider Him, seek Him. Press into Him. We've spent the first half of this year in making Jesus front and centre. Not by accident, but by design. Because we just want you to navigate life well. And the only way we can navigate life well is to have the author of life front and centre in this church and in our lives. Nobody can guarantee you a trouble-free life but you can have a joyful journey. It all depends on your perspective and how you look at it. The great news to that story is that lady landed, as she said, Pete Howard Brown was at the gate. She just went up to him. She said, are you Pete? She handed Pete two Aussie passports, a thousand US dollars, and then Pete ran to the international terminal where they were already waiting with um, issued... um, documents for the boys, all of it unheard of, all of it never been done before. They just had to show them the passports and then the boys made it on the plane. I love it in um, he, uh, Hebrews thirteen eight. it says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. Mm-hmm. 
I want to let you know that the same Jesus who considered the cross, bore its shame, sat down at the right hand side of God, that Jesus who's the winner, that Jesus who came through for us is the same Jesus who can come through for you. And I want to read to you our text again, but I want to, as I hand back to Tony, I want to read it to you in the message. The message is a paraphrased version. It's just a, a more modern kind of lingo version. And I love what it says. It says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how He did it because He never lost sight of where He was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now He's there in the place of honour, right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over the story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility He ploughed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your soul. Church, we can enjoy the journey because Jesus enjoyed the journey. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 